Glory to God. How's everybody doing today? Glory to God. How's everybody doing today? Come on, let me hear you. Come on, God's better than that. Come on, God's better than that. Hey, uh, I just a couple of words of encouragement this morning when, when Jamie encouraged and said, if you want a fresh filling of the Lord, just raise your hand. I didn't bother to look around, but I mean, everyone in the room should have their hand up at that moment. Listen, I know, I don't know about you guys, but I got filled this morning when I woke up. The first thing I do is I sit in the presence of the Lord and I get filled. But when I got here, you know, and somebody else said, hey, do you want to be filled again? I said, heck yeah, absolutely, yes, both hands, double, double portion for me, thank you. There, there is never a time where I have enough of God. If I have enough of God, then I'm out, I'm, you, you, I'm out. And unless that's happening, I want more of him. I always want more of him, more of him, less of me. I want more of Jesus in my life. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life until there are rivers of living water bubbling up and flowing out of my belly and you're all getting wet all the time. I don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We need more. You need more. I need more. We all need more. You think you've got enough hot sauce on your stuff, but you don't. You need more hot sauce until you're burning with fire. Twice in my life, I had an allergic reaction to food. It's very interesting. Both times with sausage. One time I was sitting at the Parkwood restaurant. I think my wife and I were just dating at the time. And the second time was at um, West Mountain in in, uh, West Arlington, Vermont. It's amazing that I can actually remember these occurrences, but I'm telling you that uh, this allergic, re- allergic reaction that I had was actually frightening. I was actually terrified. I had no idea what was going to happen next. As I ate this sausage, both times it was sausage, so they had to put something in there because I eat sausage often, but twice I ate sausage, once at Parkwood Restaurant, second time at West Mountain Inn, and I ate the sausage, and I, somewhere along the line, my body felt like it caught fire from the inside out, and I felt like my skin was going to burn off of my body. And I became very concerned, especially the first time, because I said to myself, what if this doesn't stop? (laughs) I'd never had anything happen like that before. There was some special tongues of fire in that sausage. I don't know what it was. It was not anything really spicy. It was some allergic reaction. It wasn't just on my tongue, it was in my toes, it was on my hands, it was on my back, it was everywhere. My whole flesh was just burning. I want that kind of a feeling this morning, amen? Amen. Come on, come on, same thing happened West Mountain Inn. I don't know, I mean, I asked them, what'd you put in the sausage? They said, I have no idea. They went and got the label, there wasn't even ingredients on the label, so who knows. Hot sauce, guys, hot sauce, all right. This morning's message is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But I want to say this before we get going. I want you to be filled with the joy of the Lord. I want you to be filled with the joy of the Lord. I want you to be filled with the joy of the Lord. James says, and I know you guys know this because I quote it to you all the time, but I'm never going to stop. I mean, this is my message, guys. Consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. Consider it pure joy. Think of it as joy. Choose joy when you face hard times. 
because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must have its full work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking no good thing. Joy is a choice. We don't have joy because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. If that were the case, joy would be elusive from us because we always find ourselves, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, guaranteed. Trials are going to come. Bad days are going to come. You're going to get tried. As a matter of fact, you might have been tried today already. You're going to get tried again today again. Trials seem to pile themselves one on top of another oftentimes. Trials come. But in the midst of it all, we can choose joy. We can consider it pure joy. We can have joy in the midst of everything that's going on. And this is the beauty of walking with God. This is our portion. We sang that song about leaning back and about just resting in God. And this is something that we need to learn to do. We actually have to become really good at this. We need to become good at just finding God, sitting in the presence of God, and just resting in Him. How many of you know, I know you know this, God has everything we need. God is our sufficiency. If you lack anything, God has it, and He has it for you, and He's willing to give it to you. If you lack anything, God has it, and He's willing to give it to you, so that you never lack for anything. But we have to know how to go to Him and get it from Him. If you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, the door will be opened unto you. We have to just know how to go and get it from him. We need to learn. We need to, we need to know how to sit in his presence in order to receive his grace for the day. Amen. All right, let's jump into the word. This is great. This is great. Good stuff. All right. We, we read this last week. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about hot sauce. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. These are not your average tongues of fire. Last week, we, we talked about Acts 1.8. We're going to just kick off from that point. We ended with this uh, scripture. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He's talking to the disciples about the fact that the Holy Spirit is coming. We read last week in John 15, it says, it's better for you that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go, that the Holy Spirit might come. It's better off. You're better off because I'm going away and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And now it's 40 days later. It's 40, about, well, maybe even a little bit more, maybe 50 days later. And he says, remain in Jerusalem. Verse 6 says, remain in Jerusalem until you, are in do, until you are given power from on high, until you are given the promise of the Father, until you are given the Holy Spirit. Luke says, until you are endued with the Holy Spirit, literally clothed with the Holy Spirit. And not just an average clothing, but a clothing that, of the Holy Spirit that's actually made to fit you specifically. This is awesome. Guys, I've owned suits my whole life. You know, I, when I was a kid, you know, my mom would take me to church, and around Easter, she'd buy me a new suit, you know, when I had grown. And, you know, my whole time growing up, I had a suit. I wore a suit for my wedding. You know, they measured me, and they fit me for a tux. And I've, I've had different suits throughout my life. But when I got installed here as the senior pastor, someone gave me a gift. 
to a tailor to buy a jacket. Actually, this jacket. I happened to be wearing it today. I actually hadn't planned on this. This jacket. And let me tell you, when I put this jacket on and I buttoned it, I was ruined for the ordinary. Every other jacket that I have is now like, eh, eh, it's okay. But this one fits. It fits so well. It, it was made specifically for me. When the tailor came, he measured my chest. He measured the length of my, he measured, he took all these measurements. He took measurements that I didn't know that you needed to take measurements in order to make a jacket. And he measured. And he brought back this jacket. And he's like, how does that feel? And I said, it feels like a glove. It feels like it was made for me. It was, specifically. The Holy Spirit is the same way. It's, God made it for you. He made it specifically for you and just for you, and it's going to fit like nobody's business. It's going to fit amazingly. It's going to fit fantastically. Did you know that when um, you buy a Ferrari new from the factory that they come and they measure you so that you fit the seat or so that the seat fits you? That's pretty cool, right? Uh, you got to pay some ungodly amount of money in order to get a car. With <laughs> It's interesting, though. It's a good thought. Man, if I had a car seat that fit as well as this jacket. I'm really not into cars. I'm shaking this all up over here. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city that they're in. In Judea, that's the nation that they're in. And in Samaria... That's the nation that the, the Jews had a tendency to look down upon that they thought were second-class citizens. Jesus said, you're going there and to the ends of the earth and everywhere else in between. He didn't throw those words in there by accident. He was very specific about it. The gospel's for everyone, even for people that you don't think deserve it. Moving forward, okay, Oh, okay, we'll hear. Moving forward, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost means 50. Uh, Pentecost uh, is 50. Penta, the, uh, the Pentagon is a five-sided building in Washington, D.C. Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And so the Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. It's 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. It's 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Resurrection Sunday, Easter, Feast of First Fruits, all the same day. We know it as Easter. The Jewish people celebrate it as the Feast of First Fruits or Passover. And we call it Resurrection Sunday. It's all the same day. 50 days later, exactly, is a festival called the Feast of Weeks. It happens on Pentecost, 50 days after Feast of First Fruits. Feast of Weeks, it's Pentecost. Pentecost. And so on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, Jesus taught them on the kingdom of God for 40 days. They said, when are you going to establish the king of kingdom of Israel? He says, that's not what I said. Actually, he said, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit tell you about that. When the day of Pentecost had finally come, so there's 40 days of Jesus teaching on the kingdom, Resurrection, Easter, 
40 days of Jesus teaching on the kingdom, and then we've got a few days. Was it 40 days exactly starting the first day, or was there a couple days before and a couple days after? We're not sure, but 50 days after the resurrection, they were in one place and they were in one accord. The disciples had gotten together. They were all in one place. They were all in one room, and they all had one thing on their mind. They had one thing on their mind because Jesus left them and said, the Holy Spirit's coming. Don't leave until you get it. The Holy Spirit is coming. Don't leave until you get it. And so they're like, okay, Jesus hasn't been here in a few days. The last thing he said was wait for the Holy Spirit. And so we're waiting. After a few days, they kind of all got on the same page. What are we doing? We're waiting. We come in tomorrow. What are we doing? We're waiting. Hey, let me guess. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And so they were all of one mind. They were all of one accord. They had one thing in common. They had one place. I've got one place to be. I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with my brothers. And we're just going to wait for the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus said to do. You know, this thing called Christianity is actually really pretty simple, except that it's difficult. It can be simple and difficult. You know that? Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. It's just, it's simple because all we have to do is do what Jesus said. But that proves difficult because the flesh doesn't want to do what Jesus said. And so they're waiting in here and it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There came a sound. Have you ever heard the wind? Cool. Have you ever heard the wind inside the building? How many of you know that you can hear the Spirit? You can hear the Spirit of God. Here's scriptural evidence. The Holy Spirit came and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house. You can hear the Holy Spirit when it comes. Pastor Charlie was here in January 2019. He said, Lord, what's that sound? The Lord responded back to him and said, they've invited my Holy Spirit. That sound that Charlie heard, it was the Holy Spirit in the room. Holy Spirit was here this morning. We need to, it still is, we need to tune our ears to hear. We need to tune our ears to hear the Holy Spirit. We can learn. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The entire room was filled with this noise of a rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit filled the entire room where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them, and now they can see something. And then they appeared to them, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Glory to God. Holy Spirit comes. They see, they hear the rushing wind. They see divided tongues of fire. They see it in the spirit. And one sat upon each person in the room. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in other tongues. What is this other tongues? This is the gift of tongues. This is speaking in tongues. And we as Pentecostals, we speak in tongues. We're going to talk about this today. These are the other tongues of fire, which bring the fire, which burns way hotter than any spice you'll ever eat. 
And they, sp- they spoke in these tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's a lot of um, misunderstandings about tongues. And so what I want to do today is I want to read through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because Paul spells out a lot of what uh, tongues is all about. So I want to read through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. And then at the end of service, we're going to pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray, if you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, we're going to pray that you would have the gift of speaking in tongues. And we're going to find out why this is so important, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 19, and I'm just going to read it from my Bible because I didn't uh, want to put all of these scriptures into the keynote. So there you go. Bring your Bibles, guys. You know, I mean, I read through stuff and I put it up so that you can see, but bring your Bibles, you know, underline. You can see I got stuff underlined in my Bible. I write in the margins and uh, write down some notes because, you know, I'm telling you, I read through this thing and it is just glorious. Me and Jesus, we have an awesome time. He speaks to me. I love it. I love what he has to say to me. I keep this thing out whenever Pastor Tom's preaching or Pastor Steve or, or Jamie or anybody else who has ever preached, and I, I pull out my Bible and I want to underline things. And if I forgot it, I write stuff down in my notes so that I can go home and I can underline stuff later because it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says this, he says, pursue love and, desp- and desire spiritual gifts. We should have a desire for spiritual gifts in our life. How many spiritual gifts can we have? I don't know, but I'm, I've got quite a few, and I'm looking for some more, and I'm ready. How much does God want to use me? I'm thinking it's kind of like the parable of the talents, you know? The, the one had five, he earned five more, and then God said, take the one who didn't do anything with it and give it to the one with the ten. I'm, I want them all. I want all the spiritual gifts. I haven't seen them all yet, but I've seen many. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue, he who speaks in tongues, does not speak to men, but to God. So here's the first thing that we know about speaking in tongues. When we speak in tongues, you guys know what speaking in tongues is? All right, listen. So for three years, I've preached, and I don't speak in tongues when I preach because I want to speak, Paul says this, we're going to read in a minute. I want to speak words of understanding so that you know what I'm saying. I don't speak in tongues because you don't understand tongues and I don't understand tongues. Tongues is, it sounds like this. Nobody understood what I just said. Me and the, uh, me, I don't understand. The Holy Spirit and God and Jesus, that's about it. Other than that, nobody knows. It says, he who speaks in tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when we speak in tongues, we're speaking to God. For no one understands him. I don't understand what I'm saying. You don't understand what I'm saying. The demons don't understand what I'm saying. The angels don't understand what I'm saying. No one understands what I'm saying. So when I speak in tongues, only God understands. No one else understands. Pastor Matt, I don't like to speak in tongues because I don't understand what I'm saying. That's the point. (laughs) that's the point. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. When we pray in tongues, 
Watch. I have a heart for Troy. God's given me a heart for Troy. I want to see Troy saved. And so with my understanding, I'm going to pray, God, put me in the right place at the right time to meet the right people so that I can save Troy. God, I pray for the lost in Troy. I pray for the gangs in Troy. I pray for, right? And with my understanding, I can go through all of these things and, and all of this, this stuff that I can think of, I can pray with my understanding. But God has a plan to save the city of Troy. He can tell me the plan, or I can pray in tongues and pray the plan not knowing the plan. And then God just puts me in the right place at the right time to meet the right people, leads me by the Holy Spirit, and the same thing happens, and I never even knew it coming. This is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what it means that we speak and we don't understand, but in the Spirit, we speak mysteries. So while I'm praying for the gangs and the violence and, and this and that and this and that and everything that I can think, when I start to pray in tongues, right? Now, God's got me praying for, I don't know, maybe he's got me praying for some influential leader that nobody even knows their name. And that one person is the tipping point for all of Troy to get saved. I didn't know their name, but I can utter it by the Holy Spirit and God hears me. How does this work? It works by the Holy Spirit. It works because the Bible tells me that when I speak in tongues, I speak mysteries. Glory to God. This is fantastic. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue, watch this, guys. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So when I speak in tongues, I build myself up. My spirit, man, is strengthened because I speak in tongues. How many of you need strength? Are you guys all ready? You guys all good? Nobody needs more strength? I need more strength. I need a double portion of strength. We all need more strength. When we pray in tongues, we strengthen our spirit, man. We strengthen ourselves. We become... We become Rock Johnson in the spiritual realm. We become Hulk Hogan, that's my day, in the spiritual realm. We become Thor, Thanos, I don't know, Iron Man, Captain America in the spiritual realm, and now we're ready to go. I'd quote some Lord of the Rings stuff, but I don't know their names. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Who needs more strength? I need more strength. I always need more strength. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And so this is where when we're here together, I want to prophesy to you guys. I want to speak in words of English to you guys so that you understand. But don't discount and don't forget about the speaking in tongues, guys. You guys should be speaking in tongues all the time. I wish you all spoke in tongues. Paul says, I wish that everybody spoke in tongues. Is there anybody here that doesn't speak in tongues? I wish that you spoke in tongues. I don't know if everybody speaks in tongues. I hope you all speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, I'm gonna, we're going to pray for you later that you speak in tongues because it is of great benefit. It's of great benefit. Paul says, I wish that everybody did it. So this would actually show us that there were some who didn't. 
But even more, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so there is a point in time where you will receive an interpretation to a tongue, but not always. And the, this is why unless is there. He who speaks in prophecy, he, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets. And so this is indicating that we can speak in a tongue without an interpretation, although we shouldn't do that publicly. We'll learn in a moment. But we can also speak in tongues with an interpretation that the church might be edified. Going on to verse 6. But now, brethren, I come to you. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Even things, with even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So you know the trumpet, right? So if they didn't put, blow the trumpet right, and they were like, doo, 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 well, that means to go back to bed, right? And you're supposed to be going out to war, but everybody went back to bed because the trumpet made a, the wrong sound. This is what he's talking about. So likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? This is why we don't speak in tongues on, from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. This is why for three years I've preached to you, and you haven't ever heard me speak in tongues before, because I don't do it over the microphone, because Paul says not to. For you will be speaking into the air. There are, as it may be, so many kinds of language in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks it, and he who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. We should be zealous for spiritual gifts. We should very, be very passionate about spiritual gifts. We should want spiritual gifts. We should really go out of our way, make the extra effort to have spiritual giftings in our lives, all different kinds of spiritual giftings, every kind of spiritual gifting. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And so if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays and my spirit is built up, but my mind remains unfruitful. When I pray in tongues, I don't get the understanding. When I pray in tongues for the city of Troy, I don't figure out who that person is that I need to talk to that God has ordered that's going to be the, the one linchpin that's going to save the whole city. I just keep praying and I just keep obeying him as he leads. What is the conclusion then? Here we go. What is the conclusion then? Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray in tongues. And I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he know who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you say? For indeed you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, I don't know that I can say that because Linda's here and, and Pastor Tom and 
You know, as much as I speak in tongues all the time, I have this hunch that Linda speaks in tongues more than I do. And I have this hunch, actually, I know that Pastor Tom speaks in tongues all the time. And uh, so I can't say that, but I speak in tongues all the time. We were out, we were out to dinner last night with friends, and we stopped and grabbed ice cream, and then we were on our way home. And so we were coming through Troy, where 66 meets Route 2. And as we're coming down 66 towards Route 2, I just start praying in tongues. And I'm like, why? Because this is just my habit. I've trained myself. Whenever, whenever the Spirit leads, I just start to pray in tongues. And so there used to be an insane asylum over there. And there's all kinds of shady characters over there. And I know certain people know this. And so there's all kinds of shady characters that hang out over. There's a waterfall over there just by where 66 and 2 meet. And there's all kinds of shady characters that hang out over there by the waterfall. I don't know exactly what's going on, but it's demonic. And so I, I didn't even think about this place. I didn't even think about where we were. We just kind of were driving by. And all of a sudden, I started to speak in tongues. And then I, was, I, I shared with my wife as we're driving by, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, like, I don't know why I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm trying to figure it out. Now, I'm not saying that God's given me revelation. I'm just praying in tongues, and I know that this place exists. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because we're driving by this evil place right here. I've, I've prayed like this before. I pray like this again. And so this is a regular occurrence in our house. We'll be, I'll be in the kitchen doing pots, and my wife will be walking through the kitchen. All of a sudden, she'll walk by, and she'll say something. And I'll, I'll pick up my head and I'll look and be like, nope, she's not talking to me. She's talking to God. She's not even talking to herself. Why? Because she's speaking in tongues while she's just walking through the kitchen. She'll say something and I'll be like, honey, what was that? She's like, I was just speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. Right? Because sometimes I'm distracted. I don't necessarily, I'm not always listening, but sometimes then I hear something. I'm like, I missed that. Nope, just tongues. Okay, good. I join my faith with yours. I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. I could stand up here all day and I could speak in tongues for you for an hour and a half, but it's better that I just stand up here and say, learn to speak in tongues. That's five words. That, that's going to benefit you more than me standing up here for an hour and a half and speaking in tongues. Paul says so. But we should all speak in tongues, and we should all speak in tongues regularly. There is great benefit that we receive from speaking in tongues. Now, to all those Pentecostals out there, come on, Pastor Matt, that's a great... Hold up. I have a message for you guys. Tongues is not the gift. Jesus said, remain in Jerusalem until you receive the promise from my Father, the gift from my Father, and I'm here to tell you today that tongues is not the gift. Pentecostals are like, those are fighting words. <laughs> what do you mean tongues isn't the gift? Tongues is not the gift. Tongues is the evidence that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on you. Oh, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> you guys are great. I love you guys. I don't hear you saying a lot, but I see some movement out there. You guys are like, yeah. 
Tongues is not the gift. Tongues is evidence that the Holy Spirit has been poured out in your life. And tongues is the way that you strengthen yourself. Tongues is of great benefit to me. Do I want tongues? Absolutely. Do I pray in tongues all the time? Absolutely. Should you be praying in tongues all the time? Absolutely. Watchman Nee said uh, for, that we should speak nothing unless the Holy Spirit prompts us. That would cut out most conversation for 98% of us. <laughs> You're talking a lot less. I just read this book. <laughs> it, the name of the book is The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. Maybe some of you need to read it. I'm kidding. Come on, guys, take a joke. <laughs> Tongues is not the gift. Tongues is not the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out on you. Let me tell you something, guys. The gift is not shaking, rattling, and rolling. The gift is not falling down in the Holy Spirit. The gift is not what happens to you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's not the gift. The gift is the power. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes that you would have power, that you would be his witnesses. Jesus said this in, in uh, Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is the gift. The gift is that we get to be witnesses for Christ, and we don't even have to do it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit's coming upon you, and you do it by his strength with his power. This is glorious. It, guys, it just keeps getting better. Romans 8 says this. It says, likewise, the Spirit, Holy Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses where we're not strong. For we do not know what we should pray for as we should, as we ought. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us, prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart, Holy Spirit searches my heart, makes known what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, what does that say? It says that the Holy Spirit that's in me, the Holy Spirit that comes in me, the Holy Spirit that's upon me, makes intercession through my praying in tongues to God the Father with Jesus interceding so that God can pour out and give back to me exactly what I need. That, that's the most sensible way to think about it. But in reality, what we're saying is that God prays to God with God of what I need from God so that God can give it to me so that I can do for God what he wants me to do. That's way more confusing, but it's reality. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father. This is why it's easier to just call them by their names and, and like understand the Trinity. This is where it gets actually simpler because now the Holy Spirit prays through me to the Father with Jesus interceding so that God the Father can give me what I need to do what God the Father has willed for me to do. Glory to God. I don't even have to do it. I mean, I, I'm, the, I'm the vessel, but all I got to do is do it. I don't have to have the strength. He gives me the strength. I don't have to have the words. He gives me the words. I don't have to know. He knows. I don't have any power. He has the power. I just get to use it as long as I'm moving with him. Glory to God. 
Jude says this. He says, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. This is praying in tongues. We should pray in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we build ourselves up. We strengthen ourselves. We strengthen ourselves. We become strengthened when we pray in tongues. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, until we come to eternal life. Jumping back into the story in Acts chapter 2, verse 6. Holy Spirit comes down, divided tongues of fire rest on everybody. Everybody speaks in this unknown language, and people are like, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. The multitude that was around came to where they were at. They heard this roar. They heard this commotion. They heard this, what did they hear? We're about to find out. They heard this noise. We read it in, in Acts, we read it in verse 4. The sound of a mighty rushing wind, and they all spoke in other tongues. And they heard this, and they came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. What I believe happened at this point in time, I can't prove it, but I believe it. I believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out. I believe that the, the, the disciples and those that were with them spoke in tongues. And I believe that those who listened on were given the gift of interpretation so that they could hear the tongue and understand in their own language exactly what was being said because God wanted them to be saved. That's what I believe happened here. Because there were others, it says, um, and so I cut out a whole bunch of verses. It says, uh, they heard them speak in their own language. And then it goes through about three verses of listing where they were from, Medes and uh, uh, Egyptians and Greek and Syrophoenician and uh, Spain. And so there's this long, long, long list that I just didn't want to read. And so everybody heard them speaking in other tongues. And, but there were others who were mocking, saying they're full of new wine, they're drunk. They're drunk. Have you ever been in a room full of drunk people? It's been a long time since I've been in a room full of drunk people. I actually don't know if I've ever really been in a room full of drunk people or if I've only seen it on TV. But it's, it's loud. They don't care if they embarrass themselves. They're, they, they, they just start yelling because they want to be heard. And, and it's a commotion, right? You get into a room full of drunk people and it's a commotion. And so there's this commotion going on. And so everybody gathers around and certain people are given the gift of interpretation and they understand exactly what's being said. They're like, wow, this is amazing. Meanwhile, other people are like, these guys are all drunk. I can't understand a word. Everybody's talking all at the same time. This is a mess. Who, who did this? <laughs> Sometimes it can be like that. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Israel, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, since it is only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I find it very interesting that this is the 
scripture that Peter chose to bring proof that speaking in tongues, the, the manifestation of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was a revelation of or was the fulfillment of Joel 2. I find it very interesting because there's nothing here that we read that talks about uh, speaking in tongues. But he did, and he, did it, he didn't just do it by his own wisdom. He did it by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave Peter the insight to know this is what I was talking about in Joel 2. Peter's here and he's in the midst of it. He had no idea what was going to happen other than that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. Peter had no idea what this was going to look like. He couldn't go home into his word and say, all right, well, it's going to happen tomorrow. Let me find something here that, that works. No, he's in the midst of it and he's like, this is Joel 2. This is Joel 2. And so when we read this and when we see this, it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter recognizes this is what it's like when the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh. Your, young, your, daughters and your, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirits in those days and they shall prophesy. And so we have to be careful, guys, not to limit what goes on that we don't understand or where we can't necessarily put our finger on it in the spirit. I'm sorry, where we can't put our finger on it in the word. Just because we can't find it in the word doesn't mean that it's not of God. Those are dangerous words, Pastor Matt. I'm not saying we should get carried away, but we can't limit God by the word that he's written to us. If we were to say, if it's not in the Bible, then you can't do it, then we limit God. And we can't do that. This, is, this has been written to us that we would know the character of God, that we would know who he is. So when something happens and we can't find it in the text, what we can ask ourselves, we should ask ourselves, is what I'm seeing in line with the character of God? Is this what God wants? Yes. God is not a God of confusion. Paul writes in, verse, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and 14, he says, let everything be done decently in order in your church meetings. Let no more than three prophesy. Right? There's, there's very specific things that Paul says should be done. But when we're praying in the Holy Spirit and somebody falls down, we're like, well, show that to me in the Word. Well, I mean, I can show you some inferences, but is, we should really be asking the question, is this in line with the character of God? Yes. God's come to bring refreshing, and you can't stand in the presence of God. And so why do you fall down? Because God's strong, and he wants to minister to you, and sometimes you fall down. Sometimes there's, there's fits of laughing breakout. Where is that in the Word? Well, I mean, we can find scriptures, but they don't necessarily line up. This scripture doesn't line up perfectly with what we see happening on the, on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Yes, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, Sons and daughters shall prophesy. There was prophecy because the tongues that were spoken were interpreted, but there were also tongues that weren't understood by everybody. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants in that day, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. God wants to fill you to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. 
I want for all of us to pray in tongues, to pray in the Holy Spirit, that we should build ourselves up, that we should strengthen ourselves in God. And so today, if you're here and you don't speak in tongues, we want to pray for you that you would speak in tongues. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to, be, we want to pray that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do that in just a bit. I want to pause right here, and I just want to um, receive the offering. So if the ushers could get ready, if the worship team can come up, I want the worship team to come on up. We're going to receive the offering. Uh, there's many... There's multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. You can click on... Uh